We're going to be looking at the Bible in a moment, and Edward will be reading uh, for us. I just want to set the scene. In our evening services over the last few uh, weeks and months, we've been looking at 1 Peter with a theme of standing strong through the storm. And Peter's letter is addressed right at the beginning to the elect, the believers scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, modern-day Turkey. And here we are gathering as Camden Baptist Church, the elect, scattered, but one in Jesus. In this letter, Peter addresses the difficulties the believers were facing. Their lives had changed. Their landscape had changed. Many of them had been saved from a pagan background and were learning to live in this new landscape for Jesus. Persecution was looming as a real threat. It was a time of uncertainty. So Peter writes to remind them of the grace of God which they have all received in Jesus. This grace will give them the strength they need to face the day and to face the challenges. It will also be a call from Peter to arms for the spiritual battle ahead, a call to stand in the gap while we await the return of King Jesus. So we'll listen to the readings now. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Chapter 4, verses 7 through to 11. The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful servants of God's and stewards of God's grace in various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And finally, from chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the whole world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. From the readings that we've just had read to us, you'll have heard Peter urging the believers to be alert and sober-minded. And so if I wanted to give this talk a title, it would be Sober Up. I want to take an illustration from history. It's a true story. On the 17th of September, 1788, a unit of the Austrian army achieved the impossible. They lost a battle without the enemy even showing up on the battlefield. Apparently, they were ready for the battle. They were waiting, but their Ottoman enemies didn't show up. They started to wonder if they would show up. And then they began to sample the local schnapps. They began drinking. And they got so drunk and so disorderly that in the middle of the night, a gun went off. And in their confusion, they mistook one another for the enemy, 
and opened fire on one another. When the Ottomans finally turned up for the battle, they found 10,000 dead and wounded Austrians. The Ottomans had won the battle without even being there. Peter calls on the believers to be alert and sober-minded. He talks in chapter 4, verse 7, of the end of all things is near. He was writing nearly 2,000 years ago, and we know that we're still waiting the return of Jesus. But we know we're closer to Jesus' return than ever. He encouraged us to be alert and sober-minded, to wait for that return. He also called us to be alert and sober-minded because our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. We're going to be looking at that passage in chapter 4. Many of the early believers Peter is writing to have come to know Jesus from a pagan background. They are different now. They've left that old life behind. And one of the hallmarks of that pagan lifestyle was drunkenness. I found it interesting even this week that added to the list of essential shops that are to remain open are off-licenses. And you may be or may not be aware that in the Bible, it often treats being drunk on alcohol and being filled with the Holy Spirit as polar opposites. In the Old Testament, the priests of Israel were told not to drink alcohol if they wanted to enter the tabernacle. Samson's mother is told not to drink alcohol during her pregnancy so that her son may be filled with God's spirit for his life's mission. In the New Testament, an angel prophesies that John the Baptist is never to take wine or fermented drink and he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit from before his birth. Peter himself has to correct people on the day of Pentecost for thinking that he and the other disciples who are filled with the Holy Spirit were drunk on wine. And Paul, in his writings to the Ephesians, says, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean we have to be teetotal, but it does mean that we need to be alert, sober-minded, we can have a dull spiritual sense if we're not on our guard. Now, I know sometimes for some people, drunkenness is escapism. But being filled with the Holy Spirit is about rescue. And God is going to equip us for this rescue. And why does Peter say this? He says, so that we might pray. So we are God's rescue mission. And prayer is not our last resort, but our first resource. We have this privilege that we can call on the name of the Lord and calling on the power of heaven to confront earth's problems head on. And in many ways, the world needs this rescue mission now, this team of volunteers who will pray and pray for God's breaking through. This is a time where we're called to seek God's face in a time of shaking. One of my favorite scriptures that we've often returned to as a church is from 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles 7, it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their sins, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. So Peter 
addressing those early believers is calling them to stand in the gap, to be alert, sober-minded, so that they can pray. And we're called now to pray for our world, pray for our nation. We're encouraged to find a place in our daily lives, a new rhythm, a new routine. And prayer must be part of that. Asking God to come and intervene, to forgive our sins, to ask God to forgive the sins of our nation, to ask God for his mercy upon us at this time so that he might come and heal our land. Let us all call on the Lord and come against these needs that we have with heaven's power. We know that we are awaiting that great day when Jesus comes again. And we're closer to it now. And that realisation brings us a kind of sober mind. We have a longing for people that we love who don't yet know Jesus to come to know him. And maybe if you're watching this now and all that's going on in our world right now is causing you to think about eternal things. We have this wonderful invitation from Jesus that we can call on him at any time. If you haven't found a little spot where you can just focus on prayer, for me in my office I have a group of chairs where we have meetings, but I always have one chair where I just sit and pray. And sometimes it's special just to have that one place that we can go to again and again. In verse 8, above all things, Peter says, love one another deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Our life in Jesus is lived out in love and service, fulfilling that call of Jesus to love God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength and to love our neighbour as ourselves. He calls us to love one another deeply. Different translations have love constantly or make that effort to love. The love of God's people keeps stretching in both depth and endurance, reflecting the Lord's love for us, its height and depth and length and breadth. And then Peter quotes from Proverbs 10, verse 12. He says, this love covers a multitude of sins. It's how Jesus loves us. He loves the sinner and not the sin. We do not love if we take delight in finding and exposing others' faults and failings. But make no mistake, what Peter says is not a, a cover-up operation, not justifying wrong behavior. It's a, it's a forgiveness operation. This love is how Jesus loved us, and he is calling us to reflect that love to one another. The gift of love we are invited to offer one another minute by minute, day by day, actually transforms situations and things can be different. In our days, we, we're called to exercise. Perhaps once a day we're allowed out to, to stretch our muscles. What an amazing thought we have that we have an unlimited opportunity to pray for one another and to express love for one another. He talks about offering hospitality to one another, practical kindness. We can't invite each other around at the moment, 
but we can care and we can phone one another and share uh, on WhatsApp and all the different software things that are available at this time to make sure that no one is left out. And we also need to make sure as a church body that there is no one left in need because we can be generous. And we want to be those who stand out as those who have been with Jesus using the gifts God has given us to encourage and build each other up, serving one another. Each one of us has been given gifts to use. And those gifts we really discover when we begin using them. And God's Holy Spirit equips us for the day. So just as those believers 2,000 years ago that Peter was writing to, we hear the same words, that the Holy Spirit equips us for the day whatever that day will hold, whatever the future holds. And God's spirit within us will teach us to operate in that heavenly power. As someone, a wise person said to me this week, we are made for this time. We have the resources of heaven to call upon. And so Peter reminds the believers that we're looking forward, above all else, to Jesus' return, but in the meantime, to be watchful to be prayerful, and to love one another. And God has already begun in Jesus this process of cosmic renewal. A new heaven and a new earth are on the way. And we, by faith in Jesus, are invited to be part of it. So in these days, in these new challenges that we face, the new landscape that we find ourselves in, let's commit ourselves afresh to being God's people reflecting his love and his grace and making the most of the day that we have, but above all, a call to pray, his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're going to pray now and Edward's going to come and lead us in our prayers. We're going to pray together. Whether you find it easier to uh, close your eyes or to, to pray uh, in your living room or whoever you're with. We're going to pray as a family together. Jesus, we know you are with us by your spirit. We come together and we trust you in a week that has seen uh, the end of schools, that has seen us being limited so much more to the place where we live. We look back upon the week and we say, Jesus, thank you for the people that we've been with. Thank you for those who've supported us and cared for us, those who've looked out for us. We thank you for the sunshine. And Lord, we thank you for the ways in which we have been supported through simple things like television and internet. But also thank you for drawing us aside and the opportunity to pray, the opportunity to take time, the opportunity to reflect. Jesus, you are full of compassion. You are our strength and our support. The lover and carer of our body and soul. And we worship you. If there's been struggles this week, if there's been tension, if there's been anxiety and worry, we come to you 
and we recognize that we're not as full as faith as we perhaps would hope. We may become to you wearied by the demands of life or the concerns of what happens next. And we come to you wondering about the future, of how long this will be, of the impact upon those that we care about and love, of the life that we've known. Yet we reaffirm our trust in you. May our worship be worthy of your unending love, given freely to help us to live full lives, best lives. And Lord, fill us up as we think, as we reflect, as we hold on to the truths of Scripture, of what we have heard, and renew us in Jesus Christ. We take time and we want to pray, Jesus, for all those who are working so hard, those who aren't able to be uh, taking time out of being isolated, those who are critical key workers. Some of them we know of, the, the frontline NHS staff, but we think of all those people who are working to make sure food gets to supermarkets, to make sure that, that our sewage system and power system run. For those who are working hard to develop cures and to find drugs to help treat this disease. We want to pray too, Lord, not forgetting all those who are not just faced with this coronavirus, but are struggling, particularly within our own fellowship, struggling with other health issues, struggling with thinking, wondering where the next uh, finances are going to come. We trust them to you. And Jesus, fill us with your spirit. Let your peace unfold around us. And let us walk with you each day. Grant us grace. Grant us help. Grant us hope. Grant us faith. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to hear uh, a couple of readings and uh, a short prayer from one of our young people. And uh, he wanted to, to pray for us and with us as a fellowship at this time. Hello, and I'm going to read to you two verses and a prayer. The first verse is Isaiah 41.10. Don't worry because I'm with you. Don't be afraid because I'm your God. I will make you strong and will help you. And the next one is 1 Peter 5.7. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. I'm going to read out the prayer now. Dear God, please help the world through this hard time. And we ask you if you can help people with injuries and sicknesses. And we thank you for standing by our side every year, every month, every day, every hour, every minute, every second of every day. We thank you so much. And that's what we're thanking you for. Amen.